morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are in your day, thank you for spending this time with me. Welcome to Detour Insights, where together we'll embark on a journey of self-discovery and growth. I'm your host, Angie Childers. Let's get going. I want to feel what I feel, even if it's not happiness. And that's a quote by Toni Morrison. Hello, beautiful people. I hope it's okay that I want to share with you a personal struggle that I find my, found myself in recently. My hope in sharing this is that, for one, maybe it will help me in continuing to process my own thoughts and emotions. But more importantly, is that it might speak to someone else that's going through something similar. Maybe it will inspire you to continue finding your healing. And at the very least, maybe it will remind you that you're not alone. To protect the identity of certain people involved, I will be leaving out certain details, but still share enough that you understand the experience. So many of you know that aside from my life coaching business, I also still work shifts at an emergency veterinary clinic. We see a lot of heartbreaking cases. Loss is part of our job. And we have clients that will say things to us like, I don't even know how you do this all the time. This would be too hard for me emotionally. To work in any field where you experience hard emotions, it takes someone with the ability to regulate their emotions, set healthy boundaries, and actively participate in self-love and healing. Average turnover rate for a veterinary technician in this field is about 30 to 35 percent. And of those that do leave, tend to do so between five to 10 years. And that's according to vetfolio.com. The length of time that a technician spends in the emergency department is typically even less. I've worked in emergency now for over five years, and most days, I do all the things really well when it comes to managing my thoughts and emotions, and I feel like I could keep doing this for another five years. But once in a while, there's a case that just absolutely wrecks me, and it requires several, several days of decompressing, processing, and healing. I dare say for anyone that works in the vet med field, we think about our patients a lot and carry our own feelings about many of them. But there's that one patient that mentally and emotionally you take home with you. That patient is the last thing you think about before you go to sleep at night. And most likely the first thing you think about when you wake up the next morning. Recently, there was a patient that wrecked me. I wasn't even this patient's direct nurse or technician but I was assisting in her care, and I never spoke directly with the owners. Leaving out the details for the sake of privacy for all involved, I want to focus this conversation on the emotions that it left me with. As this case progressed and eventually realizing that humane euthanasia was the right choice for this patient, I felt not only grief, but I felt anger creeping in. At work, I've learned to compartmentalize. I have a job to do, 
and it becomes very difficult if you give in to every emotion. I've also learned something about myself since working in ER, and I've learned that if I try to completely block out an emotion, then it's even harder to tap back into that emotion later when I need to let myself experience it in order to process and heal. Blocking it out completely would have probably left me just feeling really numb for days, and I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to experience the full spectrum of these emotions after work. So for the last couple hours of my shift, I kind of became quiet, but it was because I was focusing on trying to let my emotion sit right below the surface, but somehow not give in to it completely. I don't know if that makes sense or if anybody else's experiences are similar when you're trying to compartmentalize. But once I was in my car on the way home, I just allowed myself to start embracing that full experience of grieving. I cried most of the way home. I grieved for her death, but I also grieved for the circumstances that led to her death. And again, I felt anger. Because once again, I had to watch an animal die due to choices made by their owners. And that made me angry for her. It made me angry for the patient. Most of the time, thankfully, we have really great clients who are just doing the best they can for their pets. But anytime you work in a field with animals, whether it's in veterinary medicine, rescues, um, the shelters, you're going to see cases where the animals are suffering due to choices by their owners. And those are the really hard ones to process those emotions. And it can very easily bring up feelings of anger. So death and euthanasia is unfortunately a normal part of working in veterinary medicine. And those of us in ER, we see it daily. Being a participant in taking an animal's life is the hardest part of my job, even when it's the right choice for the pet. But knowing that their circumstances leading to that decision could have been avoided makes it so much harder. These are hard things to talk about. This is not a pleasant or a feel-good conversation, but this is one that everyone in veterinary medicine deals with on a regular basis. And staying silent and allowing our coworkers that we work side-by-side side with to feel that they are alone in their pain is wrong. It's one of the reasons that we lose so many from this field. The emotions and the heaviness that a job like this can leave us feeling is very real. Sometimes cases will leave us grieving, feeling anger, feeling helpless. It leaves us asking, did we do enough? And wishing we could have saved more. All while trying to continue to take care of the next patient and support each other through really hard days. So it's been a minute since I have found myself struggling this much with my emotions from a case at work. I knew this process was going to take a few days, and honestly, the first day, I just sat with everything I was feeling. I knew I was going to have to work through my grief and my anger, but for that first day, 
I just wanted to feel it. I just wanted to feel my anger and feel my grief. I cried off and on and just let the emotions wrap around me like a warm blanket. I knew the next day that I would have to start asking myself the hard questions and start releasing what needed to be released. It is perfectly okay to have some time where you just allow yourself to feel whatever emotion you're feeling with no guilt. As long as you don't stay there so long that it becomes detrimental to your long-term well-being. So the next day, I started processing and having that conversation with myself. I even reached out to my own life coach. I was struggling to find a more positive way to see these circumstances of this case. And I felt I needed to exercise forgiveness in order to release the anger. But I wasn't sure that I could forgive. My life coach reminded me that even when forgiveness isn't an option, our anger has a purpose. I took some time to meditate on her words, and I decided that my anger's purpose would be to talk to you about what I was experiencing. To let you know that if you find yourself facing grief and maybe anger and other emotions and unsure how to release it, you can still choose to give your emotions purpose. So for me, by the third day, I was starting to feel a little lighter. I still had some strong emotions, and I do have plans to go to the mountains really soon, and I will do some grounding for myself and just really fully decompress because that's, that's where I do that is in nature. But for now, I found purpose for what I experienced and that makes the emotion a little easier to carry. I want to talk just briefly about something called disenfranchised grief. Disenfranchised grief is when you're dealing with grieving over something that isn't necessarily socially talked about or accepted as circumstances for grief. In other words, this was not my pet. This wasn't even my patient directly, but I was still grieving for her. And unless you are somebody that works in vet med, you might not understand why I carried it as hard as I did and why grieving was my experience. Healthline.com defines disenfranchised grief as hidden grief or sorrow and refers to any grief that goes unacknowledged or unvalidated by social norms. This kind of grief is often minimized or not understood by others, which makes it particularly hard to process through. And that's exactly why I want to talk about it today. More conversations need to be had. It needs to become more socially acceptable. Grief is hard enough as it is, but to do it alone and to feel you have to do it in silence or to feel you, you have to feel guilty about grieving for something that isn't maybe as bad as losing a loved one to death, it's not okay. So some other types of disenfranchised grief can be grieving the loss of a relationship, grieving an idea or a vision that you had for yourself or someone you love. It can be even grieving the loss of a job. 
any type of loss, even when it does not involve death, can cause those involved to experience grief. And I think we need to definitely talk more about it. It needs to become more socially acceptable to grieve loss even when death is not involved or the death of a loved one. So when talking about grief, I just wanted to quickly mention there are anywhere, if you Google um, stages of grief, you can find anywhere from five to nine stages. So for today's conversation, I just wanted to mention the main five. And the reason I want to mention that is so that if you are going through something and it's not involving the death of a loved one, but you, you're, you're experiencing something that you don't know and you don't understand what it is you're experiencing. When I was going through some disenfranchised grief several years ago, I didn't know it was grief. I didn't know I was grieving. I didn't know that's how I could label it and how I could title it. And something about recognizing what it was helped me to process it better. Once I was able to put a name to it, once I was able to recognize that I'm grieving, I was able to deal with my emotions better. I was able to process through that and move to the other side of it. And part of what I'm hoping might help you recognize if you are grieving is to understand some of the stages. And if you have found yourself feeling or being in the middle of some of these stages, then you might be experiencing grief. So these stages can go in this order. They absolutely can go completely out of order. So don't feel that, well, if it's not in this order, it must not be grieving. You can definitely experience these out of order when it comes to grieving. Grieving is, it's a very unique beast in and of itself. And it shows up in various ways. No two persons' experience can be the same. So one of the stages is denial. Our brain will usually immediately get to work in trying to protect us. And this is one of the ways that it does this. This does tend to happen when you are initially hit with the feeling of grief. And, you know, just to give an example of what that might look like for me, my initial thoughts on this patient were that I didn't want to think that death was going to be the right option. Maybe we can save her. Maybe there's more we can do. So that's kind of the denial of where this is going. Anger. There can be legitimate reasons to feel anger while you're grieving. Sometimes this anger will take you to a place of forgiveness. Sometimes it will teach you something, but it can always serve a purpose. Then there's bargaining. Again, trying to slowly accept the circumstances that are causing us pain. Thoughts like, maybe if I try harder with this person, the relationship can be mended. Then you have depression. And the day that I began questioning why I was grieving created a deep feeling of sadness. This can be a very hard place to allow yourself to be, but it is vital to the process. Then acceptance. This can mean acceptance of our role in what happened, the role of others, or just the situation in general. 
This is where we start to heal. We learn a new normal and we can move forward with purpose. So these are typically stages that we think about associated with the death of a loved one. I've experienced the death of loved ones, and I've also experienced grieving when it does not involve the death of a loved one or death at all. And in all those situations, I still went through various stages of grieving. So just because your grieving doesn't involve death doesn't make it any less important. These are difficult stages to process through, and the process can take time. Part of my passion as a life coach and part of my purpose for this episode is to emphasize to you that it's okay to not be okay. Grief and all other emotions are just part of living. Don't try to avoid your grief. Don't fear it. Don't fight it. Feel it. Question it. And what I mean by questioning it is to have that conversation with yourself about why are you grieving so that you can better understand it. Not questioning, why are you grieving over this? This is ridiculous. But no, you want to dig deeper. You want to, it's not about questioning it to to say that it's wrong, but it's about questioning so that you can better understand your grief. Be angry if you need to. Feel sad, depressed. Let yourself experience all that grief entails. Learn from it what you can. Process through it and find healing. Sometimes we can release our grief at the end of this process. And sometimes we just have to find a new normal of living with it. Both options are perfectly okay in healthy ways of coping. If you are experiencing any type of grief and you don't feel properly equipped to maneuver through it, reach out to someone you trust. Reach out to me. You can find ways on my website to get in touch with me. Find someone willing to hold that space for you, to talk about it, and someone willing to sit with you while you let yourself embrace it then choose to find purpose. Choose to become stronger. Choose to reach out to someone else who may be struggling and hold space for them. None of us get through any of this life stuff alone. And I am so grateful for this great support system that I have around me. Sometimes. We have to choose to trust those around us and give them the opportunity to be what we find ourselves needing. So you may have noticed that this is the second episode that I've started with Let's Get Real. So I guess I've kind of decided that whenever I choose to share something more personal, something that I'm facing, something that I have faced, something about my journey, that I'll at least begin the title with the let's get real so that you know that's kind of what that means, that I'm getting ready to share something more personal. I want to sincerely 
thank each and every one of you for listening today. I hope that you've gained something from this episode. I hope that you know you are not alone in whatever you are facing. If your job requires a lot of you mentally and emotionally, thank you for what you do. If any of you have recently experienced or are currently experiencing grief, whether it's from work or personal life, I just want to say to you, I am sorry for what you have experienced that brought you to that place. And you are appreciated and acknowledged for the strength to endure. And just remember, you do not have to endure it alone. And if you need me, I'll be right here.